welcome to the AcroChats podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the practice of acrobatics in the global acro community. I'm Sean. And I'm Emily. We're partners and teachers based out of New York City, and we love acro. Each week, we dive into acro topics, including training tips and methodology, happenings in history of the practice, and interviews with acro practitioners from around the world. Come hang with us as we explore the world of acro and its global community. What, I have to start every episode, Emily? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Welcome to episode one of the Acro Chats podcast. I am Sean, and this is my lovely co-host, Emily. Hi. We are partners in acrobatics, and we're roommates. Partners in life. That, that too. Anyway. Ro- anyway. Episode zero, you heard our intros. Yeah. So this is episode one. So this should be expected by now. But uh, this episode, we have a topic. This episode, the topic is, what is acro? So in this episode, we're going to kind of dive into the namesake of this podcast and start to break down um, in our experience, what is acro? Um, Specifically, what is partner acrobatics or acro yoga? So as we mentioned in the first episode, there's lots of different practices out there that people know as acro. Um, but when we say acro, we're usually talking about doing partner skills. Um, and this, this name acro, we learned it originally as acro yoga. And then it gets shortened into acro and that's for a variety of reasons. Um, people not wanting to uh, be considered yoga people when they're practicing acrobatics. Um, and then also just it's shorter. Um, but yeah, so what is acro partner acrobatics versus what is acro yoga? Um, so I was originally introduced to acro yoga as acro yoga was a blend of partner acrobatics, yoga, and Thai massage, which later started to be called healing arts. Uh, This was largely kind of the framework that was set out by Jason Niemer and Jenny Sauerklein. They were the uh, founders of acroyoga.org back in the early 2000s, which is now uh, Acroyoga International. And I actually did a teacher training with them in, well, with uh, that organization in 2015. Uh, Jenny had left the organization and Jason was uh, there for part of it. And um, yeah, so acroyoga.org uh, was one of, the, one of the original schools. And then the other one that I believe is actually a little bit older, it's a, the founders are a little bit older, Jesse and Eugene in Montreal. They, uh, they uh, laid claim to acroyoga.com originally, and they are now known as Acroyoga Montreal. And they have a little bit of a different background um, to the practice. So Jason and Jenny, they, um, Jason came from a background in sports acrobatics and had journeyed into yoga. Jenny was more of a theater person who had also had experience with therapeutic flying. Um, And they kind of created a practice that focused on L-basing acrobatics, uh, a base laying on their back, uh, holding a flyer up. And they blended 
yoga postures, some traditional like sports acro elements like hand-to-hands, um, and then also flying therapeutics and Thai massage um, into the practice. Jesse and Eugene were more dance, they were uh, partner dancers, hip-hop dancers, and also dedicated yogis, and they created a unique partner dance style um, that drew on yoga and lifted uh, different kind of lifts. And then one of Jason and Jenny's first students, Carolyn Cohen, uh, was a, was a, she is still a very experienced Thai massage practitioner. Um, so as they kind of evolved their version of acro yoga, it came to include some Thai massage techniques. Um, and that kind of grew into what was known for a while as like the solar acro yoga practice and the lunar acro yoga practice. Um, the solar practice being uh, a little bit more like the high energy, um, the acrobatic part of it, and then the lunar practice being the kind of therapeutic recovery side of the practice. Yeah. When I was introduced to uh, acro yoga in 2012, um, it was mostly, you would every, every so often you would see people doing things like high bird, for anyone that's unfamiliar with that, that would be like a standing dance lift, thinking dirty dancing style, holding the flyer over your head. You would see like side stars, which I'm not gonna necessarily describe what that is. It's another dance lift overhead. Yeah, like a starfish sort of. Um, you would see things like that, and then every so often you would see someone do a hand to hand. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> excuse me, let's, uh, so we'll uh, cut that part out. So <laughs> every so often you would see people do a skill like a hand-to-hand -hand and a, oh boy. So when I started Acro back in 2012, um, the community was a lot different. I was, when I first saw it, I saw, saw people doing inversions. I saw them going upside down and doing transitions and washing machines or washing machines are sequences, usually L-basing that uh, run in cycles. They repeat themselves as you like link poses together. There is uh, definitely like this unique, these un unique acrobatic moves, um, but they were all very, user-friendly, they didn't necessarily require a ton of prerequisite strength or uh, acrobatic ability, hand balancing or tumbling. Um, and then over the next several years, like um, 2013, you would see, yeah, 2013, 2014, 2015, you would see this ever-growing um, community of people that were really pushing the limits of like what recreational practitioners were used to doing. So you saw standing hand-to-hand -hand really blowing up in a big way. You saw, you would go out to the park and you would see people doing like circus acrobatics. Um, so I guess this is a good time to talk about like what is partner acrobatics and what other styles of partner acrobatics kind of predate acro yoga. You had mentioned when you <coughs> first started practicing like within the first six months or so, it was basically like bird and folded leaf and... Yeah, originally when I learned acro, we had like a tiny bit of instruction from a visiting acro yoga teacher that was 
uh, at the yoga studio that I was teaching at, he uh, was like preparing some demo classes. So I got some like very fundamental instruction, but a lot of it was um, a friend of mine who did not, was not an acro teacher. She was, had barely taken any classes, but she kind of talked me through what she knew and we just practiced uh, what we could. And then uh, as a base, I was, I was the one that was kind of primarily moving her around in those things. So I was able to do it with other people also besides her. And um, yeah, I was very, I spent a lot of time working on like really easy acro things for the first little bit of my practice. And then, but yeah, I think that laid the foundations to when I wanted to do harder things, I had a lot of the foundational strength. I also had come from a background in martial arts, so I was used to like working with people in a different way. But Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, we would do things like throw people over our heads um, from what would be like a L-basing position. Um, yeah, but like acro acrobatics like far predates um, acro yoga, and there's like many different traditions that partnering has been a part of. So within various dance styles, like ballet, adagio is um, this like art of dance lifts and slow overhead transitions. Um, the sport of cheerleading over the last 40, 50 years has developed from like pom-poms and homecoming games to like some of the highest basket tosses and dynamic throws that anyone does in any sport. Circus has a long tradition of uh, different hand-to-hand -hand acts where flyers are doing handstands in a base's hands on their head, uh, even like head-to-head -head where people are doing headstands on another person's head. Um, what other style sports acrobatics we mentioned is kind of the gymnastics uh, equivalent of partner acrobatics. So it's done on a sprung floor by usually uh, former gymnasts or current gymnasts. And they do some of the craziest uh, hand hand to hand things, uh, hand to hand entrances. There's different types of sports acrobatics. There's a couple, there's both men and women compete in it in both. Um, they have men's uh, men's pairs events, men's four events. They have women's pairs and women's um, trios. And then they also have uh, co-ed, yeah. yeah, mixed pairs. pairs. And those will generally be like a much larger base working with a smaller flyer and I really love watching sports acrobatics because they're, it's almost always phenomenal movers as both the base and the flyer. And there's a lot of transitioning as a base. And, but sports acro is very much based around a point system. And like you, in a sport, you're trying to win and you, you stack the odds in your favor. So you do that by both like training incredibly hard, but then also finding partnerships that um, are the most advantageous. Yeah, to winning in that sport. And uh, circus would be another area we kind of talked about, but circus is gonna air a little bit more on the side of creativity and performance um, because you don't, there are circus competitions, but they, that's not a, kind of how it goes down usually. The old style of circus was actually like family acts where they would, uh, families would have a, 
all sorts of acts, but acrobatic acts, that, like an Icarian act would be like the older siblings would juggle the younger ones with their feet. Um, or like a dad would like throw a few kids around with his feet, you know? Yeah, but now um, in modern circus, it's much more of like, it's much more like contemporary dance where people actually do go away to circus school and they'll do um, like two to three year programs um, where you learn uh, some of them, some circus schools have both like real class subjects that you take actually like math classes, but um, you also, you will major in something like hand balancing or hand to hand or Icarian. Or contortion. Contortion, aerial straps, and you might have a, like a major and a minor and like, most colleges, you will also get like a broad variety of uh, education. So like some circus schools, you will have to take like level one juggling. You'll have to take like contemporary dance classes. You'll have to take ballet. Uh, even if you're like an aerialist, you'll have to train handstands. The bases have to train handstands too. Um, and that modern circus, it's much more or contemporary partner acrobatics and circus. Um, well, for one, it's not just partners. There's like lots of large group ensembles. Um, you don't need to necessarily even go to circus school. There's lots of people. Now we're in a unique time where people are kind of like uh, really excelling into the recreational community and they have the drive and the opportunity that they actually become professionals. And we've seen that happen. Um, within our own community. Within our community, people that started in our acro yoga classes and then they are now touring in Europe in uh, circus companies. So um, it's a really new, acro is a constantly evolving practice. Um, and like now because of the past, the events of the past 18 months, it's like in a particularly unique state. So we kind of- If you're listening to this in the future, it is. We're recording on August 28th, 2021. So the last 18 months, we've been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, that has really brought about some interesting changes in like how people learn new movement skills and how and where they train and with whom they train and where that information gets disseminated. So um, it's really made some interesting changes in the acro scene, but those changes were also happening even prior to COVID, I would say. Yeah, so we're, we're constantly like seeing, uh, now we see video instruction like never before, and there's a large amounts of information out on the internet for people that don't have access to necessarily instructors in their hometown. We also have seen the unfortunate happening of people really uh, losing uh, access to classes for a long time. One of the big things we ran into in running online acro classes is a lot of people didn't have a partner to work with. And especially if you're a more experienced acrobat, um, you're not necessarily looking to um, start over, especially with someone that's not really that interested in it. So you might like live with someone and they you don't- Drag your roommate out to the yard and <laughs> ask them to do acro with you. Um... It's not the same kind of experience as like someone that is enthusiastically joining you for a class. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people had really relied on being able to show up to a class and be matched with someone, which was both like um, a good thing, but then that also sometimes would lead to situations where people um, 
didn't necessarily get partnered with the type of someone who was looking for the same thing as them. So some people take uh, come to a class really looking to improve like skills and they really want to take it somewhere. And some people are looking for more of a socialization sort of thing. And I think that's one of the things that we see in the this uh, modern acro community in general is um, there is like a side of the community that is very inspired by circus and like by athletics and like the amazing things people can do. And they really want to like push themselves in that way. And they get like that sort of, uh, that sort of drive in it. But there's also a lot of people that are very connected to just like the community aspect of it. And that's not to, that's not to put it on a hierarchy. Um, cause there's people that are interested in the community of it in, and still take their practice very seriously. Um, but like, I think keeping an eye on these sort of things is like, it's a still evolving community and figuring out where people are, what people are showing up for. Are they just trying to make friends? Are they trying to take it seriously as a sport? And as teachers of this, we have to kind of figure out like, who are we teaching to? Are we trying to teach a, a a class that is geared around socialization or is it a class that's kind of geared around like training? And I think there's space for both. I think Emily and myself, uh, we both uh, kind of are attracted to the uh, physicality of the practice and the uh, a little bit of the athleticism of it. Um, I mean, I think one great thing about the modern recreational practice and kind of tying everything we've talked about together a little bit is that you don't have to be a yoga practitioner, you know, that like early 2000s Acroyoga Montreal and acroyoga.org had that Acroyoga moniker and it really drew, you know, from the yoga community initially, I think. Um, but at this point for as we mentioned, a multitude of reasons. A lot of people have sort of dropped the yoga part of the name and just say acro. And plenty of people still come into it as an acro yoga practice, or they come from a yoga practice. But lots of people come from having been a high school cheerleader, or maybe they grew up doing gymnastics or taking dance classes and perhaps haven't done anything athletic for several years or they kind of fell, fell out of it. And now we have this really interesting, expanding, rapidly expanding community of recreational practitioners that really you can find in many cities, in many countries. And, um, you know, ha people have all these different backgrounds and they maybe go to the park in the city where they're visiting and see people holding people up in the air and they think, oh, that's kind of like what I did in high school or what, you know, what is this and enter into it. And, um, things have come a long way since, like Sean said, when he first started spending six months doing bird and folded leaf and, you know, a lot of people can just dive in and learn some pretty amazing things in a pretty short period of time, even if you don't come from a background that's specifically geared towards acro. One thing that I always reflect back on was when I first started acro, it wasn't until I was practicing for like 
maybe close to a year before I flew Star for the first time. Like, and I'm not sure if I had based it before then either, but I remember like uh, going to a class and like between classes, the teacher was trying to like explain to me like, oh, you can just do a shoulder stand on like my feet. And I'm like, how am I gonna stop? <laughs> and like, I just remember like, nope, I didn't, I'm not gonna try that. Um, I wanted to go, I know that we mentioned, uh, you, you brought back up uh, the acroyoga.org and the acroyoga Montreal. Um, so in the early days, there were just those two main teacher trainings. And then right around the time I was starting to practice acro, we really did see like an explosion of new schools, some of which I can't even remember the names of, but like early ones were like Acro Revolution, which went on to become Acro Love, and they have the Acro Love festivals. Uh, Nico Dows um, is one of the main teachers of Partner Acrobatics, um, or yeah, Partner Acrobatics. Yes, that is their uh, organization. And yeah, Nico is a Dutch acrobat um, who has been teaching to the recreational community uh, since like some of the early Acro festivals. Um, yeah, and then some people had uh, acro teacher trainings. Like, I'm not sure if acro vinyasa with Hansa and Claudine is still around. I remember Daniel Scott had a training. Emily and I started, um, I created Acro Warrior in 2016, and we've been running teacher trainings in that. We started with immersions, and then we continued into uh, teacher trainings since 2017, I believe. Um, and we still run those to this day. Uh, but now we're at this like little bit of an interesting thing where it's like, is it acro yoga? Is it circus? Is it just acro? And, you know, it, it's really just names. So it doesn't really matter all that much. We've, uh, we've started to gear, we've started to call it more partner acrobatics. For one, um, we wanted to just kind of start to take a little bit of the confusion around like, do you need to do yoga? That was something that we would hear uh, just too frequently is like, oh, I can't do acro yoga. I, I don't even do yoga. And it's like, I would, in some cases, I would prefer that you didn't uh, do yoga. I, I mean, so I, I come from, I spent quite a few years practicing yoga and I, um, I, I think in many ways it actually did uh, help me prepare for acro quite, quite well. But then within a, a lot of yoga practices, there's a lack of objectivity around like movement and uh, inversions. So like, you know, the yoga handstand has uh, some like, people will, uh, will curse the yoga handstand and like speak of its ill intentions. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about yoga in lots of different contexts on this podcast um and i i'm just here to say like as much as we will uh you know talk down on a lot of yoga when it comes to the actual movement technique and sort of um explanations for why things are the way they are um in movement um we actually both don't dislike yoga. It's a, it's a very valuable thing for a lot of people. And, um, we certainly advocate for like a personal movement practice. Um, yeah. it just doesn't Where I think... have to be the kind of yoga practice that, uh, that people per first think of, I think. Yeah. I think, I mean, this isn't to really go too much into 
yoga, but just the term yoga is an incredibly broad term when you're referring to movement practices. And like whether someone's talking about a Bikram yoga class or an Ashtanga yoga class or a shadow yoga class or a vinyasa yoga class, these all mean like incredibly different things. And they're taught by different people that have never met each other, that have different teachers and different lineages. So um, I, for one, just don't need to be lumped in under the broad term of yoga at this point, even though um, plenty of yoga trainings and yoga classes still like make their way into like what I teach. But especially within acro, like, um, you know, when, when I first started acro yoga, there was like a much more like clear, clearly expressed like through line between like, this is the yoga of like working, this is the yoga of partnership. And I think one thing that I, uh, and we would use like a lot of like yoga terminology to describe the stances, uh, like the spotting stances you would call like a warrior one stance or you would be in like a goddess stance when you're like spotting in some cases, or you would have proserita twists or you're doing a bow pose or a camel pose on hands. And like, these are great for having like a common vocabulary. And like, even you might even say like acro yoga is its own unique practice in itself, which I think is very fair, especially when you think about like a lot of the L basing, um, a lot of the uh, therapeutics like kind of were really developed under uh, like the acro yoga moniker. And I was introduced to the practice under that, but at a certain point, like when you're practicing hand to hands, like, and you're, someone's doing, standing on your head, it's like, does this resemble yoga? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we have to kind of like, what is, even if you're a yogi, you're not necessarily practicing yoga. Or if you want to like make the argument that you're practicing yoga, get out of here <laughs> but it's like you can make the argument that anything's yoga but like i think when we have when we're learning these things from a cheerleader or we're learning these things from people that would not consider themselves yogis in any manner um then yeah i think the label acro or partner acro um that's much more where we feel like we're at so, I mean, when we're talking about the acro that we practice and the acro that we teach, we're talking about a partner practice. Almost always, it's a base and a flyer. Um, sometimes we use spotting, so there may be a spotter involved. Sometimes it'll be more group acrobatic practices, so you might have a mid, say if it's a trio pose, whether it's like an L-basing trio pose or even like a three high where you have people stacked up like a totem pole. Or you could have a base and two flyers, or a flyer on two bases, um, or you know, there's potential arrangements to have even more than um, three people in a skill. So maybe we just like go over some of like the basic types of like acro skills. We've talked about kind of like the background. So mm -hmm. we talked about L-basing acro, and within L-basing acro, there's like any number of balancing postures you can do. So basically any body position a flyer can be in, be it standing or handstanding or doing a shoulder stand or just like being in like a plank shape of some sort or a hollow body shape, they could be balanced on either the base's hands or the feet. And that would just be like a static balance. And so in L basing, bases lying on their back, flyers on top. Yeah, and we're kind of in this case imagining like two arms straight over the base's chest like a bench press and the legs like 
straight up over the hips at like a 90 degree angle. And, you know, it starts with static poses, but then within any kind of static pose, you can practice movement or going through your range of motion. Flyers can also change shapes. And then you can start to transition from different static poses. Um, within L-basing, there are also dynamic skills. So like pops would refer to any kind of like throwing the flyer up, usually with your legs. Uh, Icarian um, refers to like uh, full release throws coming from like the circus art of Icarian games. We could probably do an entire episode just on Icarian games. Um, uh, hand to hand is a flyer doing a handstand on the base's hand. And they could do, um, sometimes hand to hand refers to the entire discipline of foot to hand and hand to hand and hand standing on head. It just refers to like that broad category of acrobatics. Um, another type of dynamic transition in L-basing would be doing whips. And whips will be where flyer uses body positioning um, and base uses like feet move, uh, foot dexterity to create like swinging transitions. So that's, you know, L-basing skills where the base lies on their back. Um, you can also have this sort of amorphous kind of category of acrobatic movement, partner acro movement. Um, that's Acro Yoga Montreal for, is kind of a, you know, the best example of a lot of this where there's not necessarily a defined base and flyer and there maybe is some switching between laying and L-basing and then like standing and then kind of like counterbalancing and yeah, I'd using say... um, shared, shared weight or weight shifting. Yeah, so Acroyoga Montreal definitely has more of like a, a partner dance background, but you might even think of it as like a contact improv style. And kind of as if anyone's ever seen like contact improv, it's very much about like kind of improvisation, but like finding a point of connection on like any number of people that you're dancing with and it'll look like rolling over each other and like kind of constant like making of new positions and you can do that in partner acrobatics also sometimes not quite as like improvised um, but you can like basically make any kind of creative shapes there's also more standard uh, standing counterbalances where um, a base will be standing on their feet and a flyer will be standing on uh, their on the base's thighs either holding hands or the base is holding the flyer or the flyer is hooking a foot behind the base's neck. Or the flyer is handstanding, or you know, basically any kind of counterbalance where the skill depends on the base and flyer leaning away from the center point and creating a suspension of balance um, between, between their two centers. Um, and then another kind of broad category of partner acro, is standing acrobatics. Maybe before we, just to keep working our way up the body, one thing that might be, you might even consider between these, um, it's still a part of standing acrobatics, but kind of in this counterbalance realm is like this realm of like acro dance and like swings and cradle positions. So basically things that aren't the flyer fully, uh, balancing and in like an upright position or even being held overhead by the base 
but like things where the flyer is like swinging around the base's back or being like spun over the base's shoulder. And then like this can be like, this is this, the main uh, skill set of something like uh, swing dancing or uh, a lot of like acrobatic choreography kind of revolves around these things. Um, particularly if you're a standing acrobat, like, uh, so standing acro, we kind of talked about like circus arts and hand-to-hand. -hand. This broad category would involve like all these different dance lifts, foot-to-hands, hand-to-hands. I mean, standing acro is kind of defined by, for most of the skills, the base is standing. <laughs> um, holding the flyer in some arrangement over their head. Um, but, you know, the skills can be linked with some choreography or some, you know, dancier type movements. Um, but there are certainly practitioners of standing acrobatics who maybe they'll lay on the ground to calibrate some of their like handstand skills. But other than that, they, they never lay down. You know? Or it and, might be a just like a choreographic piece. It's like the mm -hmm. flyer kicks the base to the ground. Yeah. And by the same token, there's lots of people that practice L-basing or maybe they're like uh, an Icarian base or something and very rarely do they ever actually stand on their feet to base. Um, and then, you know, in the modern recreational practice, there's lots of people that do a little bit of everything, kind of dabble. Yeah, and I think that's actually one of the interesting things that's come out of like uh, the recreational community is you even see people in the professional community kind of blending more things in. Um, and I'm sure this has like kind of always existed, but I mean, I saw the uh, the Icarian act from the Cirque du Soleil show, Verakai, and I remember seeing very clearly, oh, they're doing a washing machine between their crazy Icarian routine. Um, yeah, so as far as like standing acrobatic skills, we've talked about like there's the dance lifts and the different like uh, spins. Um, and then there's like the, basically a flyer can be standing on a base in any variety of like standing position. So it can be like standing on the base's shoulders, which would be a too high. It could be hand standing on the shoulders. It could be standing on the head of the base. It could be hand standing on the head of the base. It could be standing on the hands of the base in a, like a rack position, or it can be standing on the hands of a base in a fully overhead extended. And that's where you get like your high extended hand-to-hands, some of like the tallest uh, two-person skills out there. Beyond that, you have to start like throwing people higher, but you get into like dynamic throws like uh, Cascade and Corbett, um, where you're throwing a flyer and catching them from and through hand-to-hands. Where would you put Van Keen? I would say Van Keen's like a part of like circus arts and kind of the some banking bases would also be hand-to-hand uh, -hand bases, or in the circus, they're often referred to as porters. Yeah. Um, banking is like an ancillary sort of uh, skill set, which is generally like two bases that are throwing a flyer. Um, you might imagine is something sort of like a basket toss, but where the flyer is starting in an upright uh, standing position uh, between two bases who have their wrists kind of like interlocked into like a little basket and they'll do crazy tall throws up into the air. But if you kind of look at like what's been going on in collegiate cheerleading, you know, there's 
it's not the same sort of technique, um, but they, they're kind of coming up alongside, um, you know, Circus Bankeen, they do crazy shit. And then cheerleaders also are starting to throw some really, I mean, wild stuff that yeah. that's, that's more of like a group kind of, um, multiple bases, one flyer, or they're like passing flyers. Um, For sure. But in, uh, in cheerleading, they also have some of the craziest, they, they would call it stunting. Um, and they'll have like co-ed partner stunting and you will see things that like you will never see in like the circus and they, they will look totally different also. Like there's a different aesthetic to it. Um, cheer is also a sport that has a point system. So like any sport is going to wind up evolving, um, with, to excel at its, uh, point system and like cheerleading, um, you know, they have to hit the skill. They don't get necessarily judged on uh, elbows being locked out or like toes being pointed. Um, but the interesting thing, I think, um, I don't want to be going over long on our first initial episode, but um, I think one of the coolest things about the modern practice is, um, you know, people come into it from all these different backgrounds. And at something like a festival, hopefully festivals will be a thing again someday soon, um, you can meet people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, who some of them have been doing something like cheerleading or gymnastics or partner acrobatics or sports acro um, or hand-to-hand or Icarian for years and years and years. And some of them just started doing partner acro within the last couple months and everyone's at the same festival and people are teaching from all different backgrounds and you can really kind of you can experience like a beginner cheer workshop even if you've only done like traditional acro yoga l basing um and it's just very interesting how all of these different influences are coming together um in the community and creating a larger tent for the community to live under, I think. Yeah. Um, so for those of you that maybe haven't done acro and are now feeling a little bit more inspired about it, um, if there's acro classes where you live, we would suggest that is kind of like your first stop um, within the class structure. That's going to be where you get introduced to it, like much more systematically. If you have an ability to vet your teachers, that's even better. But honestly, just like being able to learn in a structured environment rather than just trying to piece it together with. Um, yeah, tr try not to learn just off of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, or even like, um, so jams are a really big thing within the acro community where you can just like show up in like a lot of times like in parks, a lot of times at like predetermined times, depending on like where you live, especially now. But a lot of places have like a weekly jam and that might be a really great place to connect with the acro community in your town. Um, but then some people kind of fall into the trap of that's where they try to do their learning also. And even though you can learn a lot in that environment, um, you know, like you can save a lot of time from learning from teachers, but you know, I'm there's sure we'll group- talk about jams, you know, in a whole episode. Um, but yeah, we definitely advocate like going to a class, especially if you're just beginning. 
But outside of uh, your standard like weekly group classes, if you ever have opportunities to attend festivals, as Emily mentioned, if there's teachers visiting your town and they're teaching either pop-up classes or workshops, um, those are great opportunities. Now there's more and more immersions and like kind of longer term training programs um, starting up. And then there's also a really big community of people that just like kind of discuss the practice and, and like keep in touch with each other on the internet via online classes now and just like through Instagram. So yeah, I mean, we said a lot about Acro now. If you're um, unsure of where to start in your area, um, feel free to reach out to us and you know, we could sometimes help point you in the right direction. We know a lot of people in a lot of different places, so. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure we'll be talking about Acro way more uh, throughout the podcast as it's part of the name of the podcast. Um, stay tuned for future episodes where we'll be talking about handstands, flexibilities, and then eventually we'll start having uh, guests one of these days. everyone, we're super excited to tell you about the Cirque House Festival coming to New York City November 12th to 14th. This is going to be a three-day weekend festival featuring day-long intensives, weekend workshops, um, classes in handstands, flexibility, partner acrobatics. We have lots of great guest teachers coming in. If you want to learn more about this, you can go to warriorbridge.com festival. Hope we see you there. Warrior Bridge is a leading provider of online instruction in handstands, flexibility, movement, and partner acrobatics. Classes are filmed daily from our downtown Manhattan studio and live streamed around the globe to meet you wherever you are in the world. Our classes offer students the unique opportunity to receive real-time feedback and answers from expert instructors and connect to a movement community that spans the globe. If you aren't able to attend class in real time, you can catch class replays at any time via our on-demand library. Head over to warriorbridge.com to learn more.